Well, you all are uh, probably expecting to see Craig up here. I got a call at uh, about 8 o'clock last night. My caller ID said Michael Fueling, and of course my mind goes to what in the world would Michael Fueling be calling me about at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night. And I pick up the phone, he says, hey dude. I said, hey dude. He says, what's up? I said, I don't know. What's up with you? He said, well, I got news for you. Uh, Craig has got a debilitating uh, case of the flu and will be unable to preach. And Brent Amato is down in uh, Scottsdale enjoying, I think, spring training baseball and a lot of sun. And the only guy left <laughs> is me. So uh, I am confident of one thing. And... Uh, that God will be glorified this morning. I thank you all for coming to our celebration. I thank you all for being a part of this wonderful church that God has started. And it's my privilege on this second anniversary to come up here and deliver a message on um, thankfulness and gratefulness and just the attitude that we should have not only in situations such as this morning where we come together and we have every reason in the world to be thankful and to show gratitude, but we need to live a lifestyle that embodies that. And that's what our message is this morning. So if you'd like to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be uh, going through Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5. Anniversaries are a big deal. We look at our lives and we think about our anniversaries. We think about, uh, it brings back memories of the things that... uh, We've done, and in the case of this church, two years ago, a small group of believers with Craig in leadership came together and had this vision for planting a church in Carroll Stream. We feel that God has providentially put us here in a location that he would have uh, as our ministry field. We feel that God has got plans for us, that he's yet to uh, unveil, and what he's looking for us, the way in which we can best celebrate those plans and the way in which we can, under obedience to him, engage in those plans, is to trust him in faith as it relates to our steps going forward. But like like the early church 2,000 years ago, we're basically here as a family doing the same thing. We're gathering together, we're praying, we're reading scripture, uh, we're having a meal like we're going to have after... uh, after our service this morning, and we come together very much in the same way that the early church came into play. But anniversaries are a big deal. And usually, if you think about it, your earlier anniversaries seem to be a big deal, bigger deal than your later ones. You know, your first anniversary after marriage, usually champagne and flowers and all that good, play, all that good stuff, candles. Even your second or third anniversary, maybe, but 30 years in, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's Chick-fil-A and a diet pop, you know, it's... (laughs) So I think there's a special significance this morning, but I am very excited that God has uh, brought us together for this. And on behalf of Craig and Brent, I want to make sure before we get started that I thank every single person in this world, in this room. I want to thank you for the hard work that you've put in, in setting this room up every week in running the soundboard, in uh, playing the music. I want to thank you for everybody who's been a part of this whole thing behind the scenes. 
And I know that it's been no small task. There's a lot of churches out there that you could go to, and you'll have no problem finding one, where you can just go in, enjoy the service, meet and greet a few people, and then go, go home. This is a church where we all serve together, and we work together. And as a group, I think God is glorified by this, and we're looking forward to someday where maybe we'll have a permanent home, but until then, I guess we'll just continue to work through this all together. But especially this morning, I want to thank the six members of the Jarvis family. I'd like to thank our pastor, Craig, who I know must just be sitting at home here, not only feeling miserable, but probably feeling guilty and feeling a loss that he's not here this morning. So I'd like you all to just uh, pray for him as he recovers from this. But I'd also like to thank Beth and his four daughters. Is I know that they've been such a big part of everything that's gone on here. And it's been such a privilege to me to get to know them and to be a part of, of, of this church family, but to have them as part of our ministry here. I don't know where we would be without that. So at this time, let's show a little appreciation to the Jarvis family. Let's go to Psalm 100. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with goodness, gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. Joy and gratitude are an appropriate response this morning, but as I said before, our joy and gratitude needs to be the overflow in our life. It doesn't need to happen situationally, or it doesn't need to happen at certain times of, 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 of happiness and of, 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 um, of cheer, but it needs to be a lifestyle that we have as the redeemed of Christ, born again through His blood. That gratitude needs to, do, or needs to be a, a part of our life. So let's do a little math here. One plus one is? Two. Two plus two is? Four. Okay. Two plus two equals four. One plus one equals two. Gratitude to the Lord equals service to others. Think about that equation. Gratitude to the Lord equals service to others. It, it equals service not only to the, uh, to the fellowship of the saints, but it it involves service, too, to the, uh, to the least of them, to the people who God has put us into their lives to, to minister to them. But what does a service look like when somebody needs uh, some help, when somebody is going through a, a problem, whether it's health-related or financial problem, or whatever challenges and trials that God has put into a, life, into a person's life, what do we do? What do we do when it's a time for us to provide a helping hand to somebody else? Well, we can give them money. We can bring them dinner. We can pray for them, of course. We can bring them uh, flowers. We can, um, we, can, we can try to minister to them in a number of ways. But how, how do we show gratitude? How do we thank God? Remember, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God, for that matter, he also owns the universe. 
how can we thank God? What is our response to God and thankfulness to Him? We can't send flowers to heaven, I don't think. I don't think FTD delivers there. And if they did, I don't want to know what that cost would be. We can't, uh, what, what, what can we do to uh, show gratitude to God? Our, our uh, gratitude needs to be shown to Him in praise, in worship. It needs to be given to Him in the same way as our verses call for it here, to make a joyful noise, to shout out to God, to serve God with gladness, to serve Him and to worship Him. Shout to Him, serve Him, come to know Him. That's how we show glad- gratitude to God. So we're going to start with the first part of this, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. I like the King James Version of Psalm 98.4. It also says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth, but make it a loud noise. Make it a loud noise and rejoice. So literally, we should shout out to the Lord in gratitude. We've all been to sporting events, and you know, the, uh, I think if you go through all the Chicago teams, you know, whether it's the Bulls, the Blackhawks, uh, the Bears, the Cubs, um, the White Sox, uh, in my lifetime... They've all, won, they've all won a world championship. What happens in Chicago when one of our sports teams uh, wins the world championship? Shouting, ticker tape parade, closing the streets down. Tens of thousands of people come to that. If you've ever been to a Blackhawks game, what happens when they're singing the national anthem? Everybody stands up and applauds through the whole thing from start to finish. It's just this sign of... of, of energy and and of enthusiasm. Well, the practice of our faith should be no different than that. We're commanded to make a joyful noise, to shout out to the Lord. So how, with that emphasis on gladness, how how do we do that? Is this just putting us in a position of um, expressing ourselves to the Lord, or does this come from an inner happiness? Is this the overflow of our happiness with God? A happy God is meant to be worshipped by happy people. God is happy for us that we're here, that we've accepted His Son, but at the same time, that gratitude needs to be given back to Him. We are intended to show that gratitude to Him, not only in a period of worship like this, but at other times in our life as well. We serve Him with gladness. Not only do we serve Him, but we serve others. In Matthew 25 a section titled, The Final Judgment, going to the return of Jesus, and all the nations are uh, gathered before him. The good shepherd, Jesus, works through the process of placing the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. I'd like to read from that section of Scripture. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Okay, the listeners who are hearing Jesus say this in that passage of Scripture did not know that they had ever visited Jesus in prison. They didn't understand what Jesus was saying. And the king will say to them, Jesus will say to them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these brothers, that you did it to me. Think about that. As we serve others, we are serving Christ. We are serving God, and we need to do that with gratitude. We give thanks to God by serving the person next to us, specifically giving food to the hungry, specifically 
visiting the sick and specifically even going into prisons where we need to reach people with the gospel. What we fail to remember is that during those times, and those times often occur in our own lives, when we're sick, when we're in the most need of, 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 of help and support, when we need encouragement, the people visiting us are serving us in that same capacity. Just as Jesus commanded, not only is this something we're able to do from others, but this is something that we're comforted by ourselves. This willingness to surrender to his grace and minister to others. going on in Psalm 100. Okay, so now we've made the joyful noise. We've served him with gladness. Now we come into his presence singing. How many people in here are music people? Music ability? I see my friends on the back row there. You may not have a voice like Shannon or Lyle. You may not be able to play an instrument. You may not be able to bang the drums like my brother Mark. But we're commanded to come into his presence singing. For some people, singing's an uncomfortable thing. For other people, it's just a natural thing. I wouldn't worry about the quality of your singing. Some of the best services I've been into, and I've had the privilege of going into prisons and some jails and, and hearing uh, just a, a group of men getting together and, and singing uh, out of a hymnal. Those voices, the, that singing itself is, is very pleasing to God. So as we're Expressing ourselves in gratitude through singing don't necessarily worry qualitatively what that looks like. It's not like the Holy Trinity are the judges of American Idol. (laughs) They're not listening to the quality of your voice. They're not saying that, well, you're a little pitchy or you're out of tune or anything. What we're doing is we're coming into his presence and we're singing. God has given us access to his throne room through Jesus Christ. We have that access, and we have, as Christians, every right to enter into that place. And we have our welcome guests in that place. So as we come here, it's easy for us to worship God, but in our own hearts, sometimes we need to check ourselves and make sure that that worship is true, honorable, and meaningful to God. So why should we be worshiping God? What is it about the character of God that we should worship? Is it just because we're told to do this in Scripture? Well, we are commanded to do that. But as God has entered into our lives, as He, as Jesus lives within us, and as we have the Holy Spirit, we realize and we know that the Lord is God. We recognize Him as God through the person that He is described described as in Scripture, It's not as though we're just studying a a set of doctrine through through the Bible or anything else. What the Bible is doing is bringing us into a personal relationship with Christ. So what we're doing is we're celebrating the person of God himself, the individual. Through Christ, we can see him. And this isn't just a matter of blind faith or ritual or anything else, but it's an overflow of our heart that we see God as the creator, the one who created us. Psalm 100 uh, verse 3 says, It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. God made us. What a concept. You know, depending on who you listen to, whether it's your science teacher at school, or whether it's um, the media or wherever in this 
unbelieving, atheistic culture we're in, they would tell you that humans came into, into a place as a result of some cosmic explosion or as a result of some random coming together of cells in some primordial swamp or just something happened miraculously, randomly, in a way that created life. They would have you believe that as these cells came together, there was some spark that occurred that created this life. And that is how the world would have you think of us as humans. They would have you think that this occurred billions of years ago. They would have us think that we were all formed from a single cell. But what Paul said in Acts chapter 17, as he was addressing the same question, Acts 17, Paul, in his address on the Areopagus, says, What therefore you worship as unknown, then I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. The past times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has affixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man who he has appointed, and he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. We are invited to know God. He's our creator, he's our redeemer, and God wants that relationship with you. He wants that from all of his people. He's given that to those of us who believe, but he does want that for all of the world. And how do we reach the world with the good news of Christ? That's incumbent upon all of us here in this room. We want to be the initiators of bringing people into that saving relationship. But God wants you to get to know him. He wants you to find him as your personal savior. Know that the Lord, he is God. He has made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Think about that for a minute. We are his sheep and he is our shepherd. The shepherd knows his flock. He knows each one of us. He knows more about us than we know about ourselves. He knows more about our children than we know about our children. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows everything about us. He knows what we've done and he knows what we're going to do before we do it. But God wants us, he wants us to know him like that too. He wants us to understand the person of God as he has revealed himself to us. Over time, you can know God intimately. In Psalm 23, um, the psalmist tells us, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. Jesus invites us to know him as our shepherd. Jesus uses that same language in John 10, 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. 
we need to remember that at all times. You know, God is good even when our life is, is not. Sometimes we feel pressure from the world, from the devil, from our flesh. Sometimes we have occurrences that uh, come into our lives and we see maybe sometime other individuals have, have, have caused us great uh, stress or maybe we're, we're in a situation of, of health or, or of, of some other type of challenge. But God is always good. God is good. Sometimes our life is not. So if your God is keeping track of your successes and failures, that might lend you to think differently of God, but God is not preparing a report card for us. God is not out there doing a performance review of all of you. What God is doing is, through Jesus, he has given us forgiveness. When he looks at us, he sees Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, we received the best of him, and Jesus took the worst of us. God does not hold our sins against us. He forgives us, and he blesses us. God's love endures forever, and God gives us good news that saves us from death. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And God's faithfulness goes to all generations throughout the Bible. He you can look at times as, as God has revealed his works and his actions throughout Scripture. We see that God demonstrates he can be trusted. This is why God introduced himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He promises to, to us his steadfastness, and he promises to us today, in no other words, that he is there and he is for us. His faithfulness surrounds us. In the Old Testament, there was a word for God's faithfulness to his people. The actual word is hesed, long-suffering. This is a word that I've come to love, and I've, as I've studied that word, it basically means that God is patient and he is faithful to us. Hesed is a feeling of peace that only we get through God and that we know God has given to us. As faithful as God is to his people, we know that he'll be faithful to us. He's a friend who sticks closer to us than a brother. He's a God who will never leave us nor forsake us. Nothing can ever separate us from his love. He's a friend to the friendless, a husband to the widow, a father to the fatherless, a brother to the orphan. God is faithful and loving God, and he will continue to do so through every generation. So, what do we do with this? What are we to do in response to God's goodness, in response to God's glory, as we stand here and as God has sovereignly put us together as a body of believers who he has great plans for? How do we act in response to that? The worship of God is an informed choice of our heart and mind. Not just a command, but also a response. Psalm 100 is listed as a psalm for giving thanks because it's centered in us, giving thanks to him. Again, we're to shout to him, we're to serve him with joy, we're to come boldly to see him, because he is good and thankful, faithful and loving. God asks for us to come to him with that same heart and worship him with gladness. Question number two. Who is excluded from the list of people to be thankful and worship? Well, nobody. You shout for joy all the earth. Last time I checked, all the earth is all the earth. 
Everybody should be thankful. Every, someday all knees will bow. We are to shout to joy for joy to the Lord and all the earth. Remember the message of the angels at Jesus' birth. Do not be afraid. I bring good tidings of the greatest joy. These tidings are for all people. Our goal as the representative of all people here today is to shout for joy, sing joyfully, and worship with gladness. Because God wants you to be in that heavenly choir. He wants you to be in that group of people who are singing most loudly. God's word tells us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made by God himself and that we're important to God. He knows us. He has designed us and he has planned our lives for us. God made us with lips. He made us with minds. He gave us a heart to live. But within our bodies, within our persons, we need to be gracious and show that gratitude to him. He would love for us to use all of our capabilities to express that love to him. Sometimes you find yourself in a group of people that that level of worship and that gratitude is not really that common. Giving thanks should be very easy, but sometimes within certain groups, it's hard to give thanks. You see their troubles and you see the, the situations they may, may need to be in. One of my favorite activities that I still try to do is I, I go to a... Uh, retirement center in Bartlett, and we'll go there on Sundays and deliver a message. And we have a somewhat of a small turnout. A good day would be a dozen people. Some days there's only five or six. I've, I've actually been there on days where there have only been two or three. Um, but I enjoy giving the word to those people. I enjoy giving the gospel message to people who are at their point in life. And many of them are, are, are very sad. You see there can be some depression. They know that maybe they're at the end of their lives. Maybe their family is not visiting them. Some of them can't walk. Some of them cannot even eat by themselves. Some of them need help with just the basic bodily functions. But one of the most encouraging things I've ever experienced is when I'm with them, they will talk about their joy in the Lord. They will talk... At this stage in life, they will be looking at their eternity, knowing that God has a promise for them, knowing that their bodies will be glorified, that their bodies will be recreated, and they, at the end of their human life, can begin to think of their eternal life. I asked one man there who I have developed a relationship with. Uh, he, he brings his wife, who has uh, debilitating Alzheimer's there. And he always introduces her as his bride. And he says, in my 60 years of marriage, last time I was there, he said, in the 60 years I've been married to this woman, I've never loved her more than right now. I've never felt closer to her. And I see God in our relationship in a way that encourages me. And I look at that love that he has for his wife, and I look at the, what God has molded and shaped into his life, and my takeaway from that is that oftentimes we're just so distracted by the world, we're not reduced down to uh, realizing how important our faith is and how important God is to us. But when you look at an individual like that who really doesn't have anything else remaining in his life other than the little 8 by 12 room that they, they live in and, and, and walking around the nursing home, but for him to have that joy in the Lord 
to look in spite of all of his affirmities and, and what uh, the condition that his wife is in, he can still give thanks. That's the heart that we need to have. That's the heart that glorifies God. That's the heart that's pleasing to God. Number three, worship is easier for us and strengthened in us when we are properly informed about God's character. Again, giving thanks isn't always easy. If you're sick, if you have trouble, a lot of times we can be stubborn. We can look at life and just take away more of our misery than the goodness that God gives us. I think if, we, if the blinders could be removed and we could see each and every day the way in which God interacts in our life and protects us and gives us hope and gives us confidence, I think we would be altogether different in our viewpoint, in our view toward God and the world and everything else. But sometimes we just are faced with what seems to be insurmountable odds. Yet God tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Be thankful in all circumstances. That should be our heart. That should be the way in which we live each and every day of our lives. And frankly, that should be where we're at this morning. Giving thanks thanking God for his provision, not only in bringing us together, not only doing just miraculous things for, through and for us, but also putting us together as a group who have plans and we can look confidently into the future. If we want to make that switch from worry to worship, worship if we want to make that switch from fear to being a follower of Jesus, what we need to do is question our hearts. We need to shout to him, serve him, Come boldly before him and give him thanks. We can always be thankful because God is thankful. Again, on behalf of the elders and, and Craig, I am so thankful. I personally cannot even express in words what all of you have meant to me and to Debbie. And to become a part of this church has just been an amazing experience for us. And I am so thankful first to God, but then to all of you. And I am thankful at this time too, now we can go, we can celebrate the Lord, we can have a, a, a party here in his name, and we can come together as a group of followers, believers, worshiping, shouting to him, and singing to him. Thank you all. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for your presence in this room. I thank you, Father, for giving us the hope and the confidence and the understanding that you are in control. I thank you, Father, for guiding and directing our steps to ministry here in Carroll Stream. I thank you for every person who has walked into this room. I thank you, Lord, that in the, uh, in the two years we've been here, that's over a hundred occasions where the gospel has been preached in this room. I thank you, Father, that each and every week we can come here. Father, we can study and understand your word, but we can also worship you with gladness and with joy. I thank you, Father, for giving us an opportunity to reach others with the gospel. Father, I pray for everybody in this building, not only the people in this room, but the people outside of this room, that you would reveal yourselves to them. 
Father, that you would make your mercy known to them, that you would allow them to understand that through Christ there is forgiveness, and in you, God, there is hope. So, Father, as we conclude this morning, we come here with thankful hearts, gratitude toward you, and a love that only you could give us. Father, be with us now in Christ's name. Amen.